The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Good day, listeners. Today is June 23rd, 2021. This is Renee Rosati, a member of the Public Affairs Committee of the North American Spine Society and a recent graduate as of last night from the Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Residency at Vanderbilt. I'd like to welcome everyone to the next installment of our new podcast series showcasing interesting articles from the upcoming Spineline magazine. Today, we will be discussing the article by Dr. Akhil Chatri, Dr. Adam Amir, and Dr. Larissa Richards, titled Ask, Preoperative Safety Checklist Protocol in Interventional Spine Procedures, a Quality Improvement Study in the main June 2021 issue. You will have the pleasure of hearing directly from Dr. Akhil Chatri and Dr. Larissa Richards today. Our hope and goal is that this discussion will further expound on their compelling article in our upcoming magazine. So let's get started with some introductions. Dr. Chatri and Dr. Richards, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we move into our discussion? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Akhil Chatre. Uh, I'm an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins with uh, physical medicine rehab and neurosurgery. I'm the director of spine rehabilitation and I'm also the fellowship director for the Interventional uh, Spine and Musculoskeletal Fellowship. Uh, my clinical area focuses uh, on spine and musculoskeletal rehabilitation um, and we offer services that uh, manage and direct physical therapy, medication management, and interventional care uh, at Johns Hopkins. Excellent. And hi, I'm Larissa Richards. I'm one of the physical medicine and rehab residents. I currently do a little bit of everything on the different rotations and am applying for a sports medicine fellowship this year. Awesome. Best of luck to you. It's a good journey. Thank you. So let's dive into the article. Um, again, the article is entitled Ask Preoperative Safety Checklist Protocol in Interventional Spine Procedures, a Quality Improvement Study. Now your article mentions two checklists which inspired this quality improvement project. Could you tell us why each of these checklists were developed? Sure. So in the 1990s, there were several reported events, and one of them being where a wrong leg was amputated. And at that point, um, reported cases grew and grew, and that eventually led to this universal protocol checklist. This checklist involves preventing the wrong site, wrong procedure, and wrong patient surgeries. So it's that those three steps that are involved. Um, and a pre-procedure pre verification process marking the procedure site and performing a timeout. Okay. Shortly after that, the WHO created a surgical safety checklist in 2008. It's kind of an extension of the universal, universal protocol in a sense that it's just more extensive. It includes ways to reduce adverse events such as surgical site infections, retained instruments. Um, it's just a piece of paper, it's a checklist. It's very affordable, so like low-income countries and different places can use it. 
and it can help reduce complications and deaths from surgery. Awesome. Um, tell us a bit about the history of the timeout. Yeah, so the definition of a timeout, according to the Joint Commission, is an immediate pause by the entire surgical team to confirm the correct patient, procedure, and site. So what that statement doesn't really mention is how long do you have to take for that timeout? Who who needs to be like paying attention or how much attention do they need to be taking? Who, like, does everyone have to say, I agree, those words? Um, but what we do know is if that is performed correctly and in the right fashion, then checklists in this timeout really do work well. All right, um, well, let's, let's dive into uh, what you guys did. Uh, Dr. Chatri, the quality improvement intervention that your team implemented at two of the Johns Hopkins outpatient surgery centers from August 2020 to August of 2021 as it's still ongoing. It was really interesting. I felt like it was a new spin um, on something that a lot of proceduralists already do, which is the timeout. Can you tell us why it's important for interventional spine providers to have a unique checklist of their own? Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, there's many, many factors why I think it's important for there to be um, something a little bit more tailored to the interventional spine provider. One, uh, there are providers that do a lot of volume of procedures, and uh, it's easy to get lost in, you know, muscle memory, so to speak. You know, you come in, you, you prep your tray, you prep your kit, you get your medications, and, and if you have a lot of bilateral cases one day or a lot of cases that are on the right side, you might just get into that groove and that rhythm. And that mistake is not just, cannot just be made with the uh, person doing the procedure could be with the nurse or the tech in the room or the uh, radiology tech or whoever trainees you might have. So, uh, you know, there can be a breakdown at any one of those um, levels. Uh, the other kind of intangible here is that uh, you want a good team in place. When you have a good team, you tend to have a rapport. When you have that rapport, you can have a breakdown in the system, so to speak, because you might have implicit trust with the other folks in the room. So, uh, so they might say, oh, Dr. Shatri knows what he's doing, or I might say, my nurse knows what, you know, they know what they're doing, and, and we're all on the same page. Well, that's where you invite opportunity for error. Um, and then other, other factors to consider is uh, you might be doing multiple things at the same time. You might be doing, uh, you know, a knee block, and you might be doing a procedure in the lumbar spine. And it's important to be very accurate because one needle in the wrong place is a needle in the wrong place. And, uh, and that would be considered a wrong site procedure. Um, and so, and that's a sentinel event. And in our, our institution, those are considered non-events, meaning they should not ever happen. Um, and so uh, I think it's important for, you know, if you have a high volume practice, if you have a busy area, busy setting, so not just you know, your caseload may not be a lot, but if there's a lot of other procedures going on in the in the suite or that building, it's just inviting opportunity uh, for error. So that's why I think it's important for um, uh, interventionalists to have something a little bit more tailored and not just generic. Yeah, I definitely see your point with the, like maybe the casual relationship between coworkers in that operating room. You get very friendly with one another and there is a lot of trust and some of these procedures are repetitive. Um, 
So uh, those are all very interesting points. What are some common mistakes that you see potentially happening without the use of a standardized checklist? So if you don't do something with structure, if you don't do something the same way every day in, in the same structure, then I think you are every, every part of your prep um, for doing a procedure is an opportunity for error. So if you don't check the wristband, check the name, the date of birth, go over allergies, uh, if you don't do everything kind of the same way and have the same things that you're uh, checking off, I think you're inviting opportunities for an error. A good example of this is if somebody has an allergy to chloroprep or chlorhexidine, which is a prep. So if you are routinely checking allergies when you're in the room and you might already be prepping the patient, you have invited error. So I think it's important to check allergy checklists you know, before you do the procedure, maybe have a system in place where you do it in the bay, uh, the pre-op bay before you bring the patient back. So that's an example of why I think it's important to do uh, something the same way every day. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Well said. Uh, Dr. Richards, how did you go about designing the methods for your study? Sure. So um, the ASK portion stands for ascertain site knowledge. Just to start with that. Um, the aim of our study was to perform before every procedure a 30-second timeout. Um, including the attending physician, Dr. Shatri, the interventional spine fellow, the radiologist technician, the nurse, and then the anesthesiologist if they were present for the case. And collect the data on the wrong site, wrong procedure, and or wrong patient surgeries. Um, this timeout and ask with Sid included the laterality to the marking that was placed on the patient by the attending, and then each team member would have to agree with that and wait 30 seconds. Uh, this allowed time to process all of that information, too. Um, and you waited 30 seconds each time, even if everyone had already agreed, which I think slowed every, everyone down for that brief moment and really captured everyone's attention, which is important in the timeout. Yeah, I found that really interesting, um, that mandatory 30-second timeout. Um, was that on a timer? Was it a, a real 30 seconds or was it kind of till everyone agreed on the laterality? We have a, a clock in the room and so it, you know, it tells us the humidity and the temperature and the time in, in seconds as well. So we use the clock. It's the same thing that uh, Jayco does when, when they come and they're monitoring you. They're, they're literally looking at time uh, if you have it in the room or their own watch uh, to make sure that you do it the same way. Okay. Um, so your study period hasn't quite ended yet. You're still going until August of 2021. How many procedures have been a part of this study since August of last year to February of this year? Sure. 1,106 were completed between that time frame. And so we are planning on continuing it until August of this year. Awesome. For a year total. And can you tell us what the results of your intervention have been so far? Yeah, there were zero near misses or incidents th thus far. That's superb. That's a successful quality improvement study, huh? Um, yes. Dr. Chatri, in terms of improving patient safety, it sounds like there's not much of a downside to implementing this checklist. However, what do you see as barriers for other practices in other parts of the country 
um, trying to implement a checklist in their procedure suites like this. So, um, you know, my dad would always tell me, you can't straighten a dog's tail. And, uh, you know, we're a product of our training. So if we train in a certain environment in a certain way, it's very difficult to change unless there's some type of motivation. And we tell this to our patients that come see us in, in spine clinics as well, right? Pain is a motivator. So if, if there's some, there has to be some reason that you want to take action. And um, I think that, you know, demonstrating um, really good quality improvement projects such as this and showing the success, I think. Uh, in that operating room. You get of a nurse, of a radiology tech, or a physician you might be, how great your clinical skills are, opportunity for error is still can still happen to anyone in any setting. And I think that if health systems uh, did open up and, and show some of their uh, sentinel event data like this, it, you know, even the best institutions still have across the board have these wrong sites occur. This is why I think why it's so, it's gained so much attention even within us as a, as a community at Mass. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's clear. So if you don't check uh, your colleagues, I think part of that discussion should be patient safety and the, the lack or reduction in errors. And so I think that that uh, should be part of the conversation when it comes to uh, what barriers might be. Um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, there's going to be folks out there that have not encountered any such issues. Uh, in their practice, and it's going to be difficult to implement. They say, well, if it's not broken, why do I want to fix it? But uh, yet we all do timeouts now, and we do timeouts now because of errors that occurred to other folks, unfortunately, but we all do timeouts now because we realize the utility of how important safety is. Yes, the most important. Dr. Richards, do you have anything else you'd like to add to that comment about any barriers you foresee happening with this checklist? No, I think um, one of the things that you can read about in the literature, pr probably more towards surgery, but can be translated towards this, is that the teaching is important in education. So we're doing this now for this yearly study, but maybe having like a yearly education that we are going to continue um, to do this 30-second timeout and why it's important with all staff is the kind of the second part and making it a must instead of a, an option. And maybe a year, every two years, something like that, like similar to what we have to do with different modules, but um, just education wise with the staff can be very helpful. Good, so it sounds like it's gonna continue at your institution after the quality improvement study period ends. I believe it will. I, I will also say that um, I, I was speaking about culture. I think that uh, it, what has what the change that I've seen since we've started this is that everyone in the room has now taken a sense of personal responsibility for what is the right you know procedure, the right site, all of those things. While before, I didn't see that. That level of engagement, I think, at the end of the day, is has a net cumulative effect for outcomes uh, in terms of satisfaction for the patient how they feel like everybody's engaged in the room as well as, um, you know, safety. So I think that having that sense of personal responsibility, regardless of who the attending on record is, um, is uh, leads for a better um, outcome for the patient. Yeah, it sounds like the team dynamic 
is really um, uplifted by engaging and giving everyone a little more autonomy and responsibility to acknowledge this is the right side, this is the right place. All right, well, I believe that wraps up the questions for today's podcast. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to add? No. Uh, so much for you know your time and, and, and interest in this uh, endeavor that we took upon. Yes, thank you for having us. We're, we're so honored to have you guys. We're so grateful that you um, submitted this, this quality improvement study to our Spineline magazine. Um, to all of the listeners who tuned in, thank you for joining us today on our NAS Public Affairs podcast. We'd like to acknowledge the help from our wonderful behind-the-scenes NAS staff who make these podcasts possible, Jeff Carson, Pamela Town, and Brianna Schaefer. I'm Renee signing off from Nashville, Tennessee. And don't forget, stay spine safe.